up? I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And we have another guest in the garage today. Uh, I'm very excited about it. So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know him from Penn & Teller. You know him uh, by a few from... Oh, he ha- holds the record, we think, for doing all five spaces of the Magic Castle in one year um, with different acts in all of them. And you've seen him on the, the, the national tour of In the Heights. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Robert Ramirez. Yay! Oh, wow. <laughs> That's new. Sean has been <laughs> waiting uh, for such a long time. Oh, Robert, welcome, uh, welcome. Um, that's uh, we, uh, This is a live taping, by the way. Uh, here we are, Largo, Los Angeles. Woo! Uh, Woo! Largo, uh, Largo at the cornet. Largo at the cornet. Uh, Robert, welcome to the welcome to the I'm podcast. S- I feel like I've already been a part of it so much. Yes, you're you're one of the only people <laughs> I talk to about magic outside of this. So anytime something comes up, Chris will be like, "What what about this?" I'm like, "Well, I don't have any take on that." Robert, though, <laughs> Robert says, "Thinks this." Right, uh, and I've been told you have a, been keeping a list. I have it until Christmas. Uh, as I listen to the show, anytime something's mentioned that I feel like I know the answer to, I write oh, it down. Oh, very good. Now I got to see if I can. Oh, I hope you remember these things yeah, yeah. we talked about. Uh, a singing toothbrush does exist. Yes, you put it in your mouth and it vibrates on your teeth. Uh, yes. Ron Saylor did smash and stab. I didn't want to say his name, but I knew who it was. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he did it. Okay, the question was... Also, he, I have very strong he, opinions, do and it? I don't care about bleeping myself out. Fair. Oh, okay, sure. So, like, I, I, I don't mind saying something and being like, well, that's Robert's opinion, and I'm just going to have... A jerk. Uh, I'm just going to leave the room anytime you do that. Okay. I'm well, okay with that. Robert, to what degree has... have what? How much magic drama have you had in your life? Uh, None. Oh, good. Well, well you can start some. None. <laughs> other than... I've had none. Other than that if thing you, we talked about... I've had none. If I've had none, you've had some. <laughs> About if that, yours is none, I've had negative magic drama. Well, yeah, one, like, I was, like, the very nice person about it. Mm-hmm. The thing I was telling you right before. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, like, that was, like, not... This is only interesting because we know the context. I know. But the people listening... Well, thing. no, I was just asking because you were saying, like, you don't care about being bleeped out. No. Well, I don't care, like, if someone... If I make... Yeah. An inflammatory statement. Or, yeah, if I say something, I'd rather just be, like, here's something very... Like there's opinion. too many there's too many minorities in magic right. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is why I brought you here, Robert. I think you need to quit magic. Oh my god, <laughs> oh no! It's too Go many back Spanish to being traditions. a Lin Manuel Miranda musical. Okay, well. that's your place. Uh, oh, I knew every single bad joke John was setting up. Yeah, uh, of course you did. Oh. The second he given... started, I was like, I could. I was yelling it at my phone because ah. I, I've talked to you about all of these. I things. know. For those out there that don't know, Robert and I are hashtag besties. Yeah. I also had so, a trick. I mean, that to I did. some degree, this podcast is like relieving pressure from Robert's life. I think. <laughs> right. By it's, just being another outlet. We where started John the podcast could... because Robert was like, "You need to talk about this somewhere else to preserve our relationship." I cannot have this all the time. <laughs> yeah, I just want to talk about normal things in life. This is going to be, I think, a, a very annoying episode for Chris because of how many bits you and I have, and we're going to dive into so many annoying little bits. <laughs> but then he will be a part of them. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. I also encourage you guys not to dive into them. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, I don't have a Bluetooth or an aux cord in my car. There was talk about how you thought it was crazy that anybody wouldn't have that. I have a tape deck that I have to use the... Uh, oh, how does that... Does that work well? Oh, it looks works great. Mm-hmm. I remember... It's better it, than, a, than like the radio ones where you have to pick up a radio. You have like because the radio like, ones don't work that well. So maybe you have like a fake tape that you stick in and it Correct. has a cord coming out of it. Yeah, right. I'm going to stick it in my phone for the aux cord. Mm-hmm. All right. But I don't have like a built-in thing in my car. Just to be clear, you're not 50 years old? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm debating it. My knees no, feel like those built 50. arms. It's not 50. Yeah. Oh. Uh, surprise is great and a trick. Uh, 
<laughs> that was another insight you had. It's good to have surprise. It was a very it. specific thing that, that was said, and now rereading, and I was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so Robert, what's now? Just to clarify, what's the uh, you've done a show in every room in one year? Kind so of thing? yeah, so I did. So off a of technicality, off a of technicality, off a of technicality. So uh, there are five showrooms at the Magic Castle. There's the close up, the parlor, the palace, which is a stage. Then there's the W C Fields Bar, which is now the library bar, and there is the Peller. All five. I started doing the Peller uh, the first time in front of the castle. The first three times was in the Peller, and then I did close-up then i did the bar par- uh, stage and then the parlor so when i did the close-up room it was new year's week last year 2017 yeah. and i had a show at 12 30 on mm. new year's day so technically i did one close-up show in 2018 right then i did the wc fields bar in, in may, may and we were there the same at week. the same time yeah, yep that was fun uh and then i did the palace that summer and i did the peller uh, Nathan and I were supposed to do the Peller, but then Levitt and I did it instead because mm-hmm. Nathan couldn't do it. So I told Jack, it was September, and I said, Jack, is there any way I can do the Parlor before the end of the year? Because I would have done every room. Oh, so you you made that appeal to... Yes, because uh-huh. I just said, I said, let me do it. And he said, why? Why would I do that for you? Right. And I was like, I promise I won't ask for anything ever again. Also a lie. <laughs> well, I haven't the, since then. Also right. But it's only been lie. how long since then? <laughs> I mean that is a pretty that's a pretty big uh, offer because you're saying for the rest of your life you're never going to ask for anything from the person who books one of the main venues. (laughs) Eventually, Robert, you're going to need a kidney replacement, and he'll be the only Only match. match. (laughs) He's the only blood. Oh my god, Jack, I need it. No, I told you. No, when a man begs for a performance, he can't get a kidney. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I bet you he has said those words before. Yeah, probably. Uh, so then I did the parlor the same time I did the close up a year later, the same frame. So I did. No, I didn't do one close one parlor because the last parlor was at twelve uh, eleven thirty. No, it's not. It's at twelve thirty. Yeah, it's twelve thirty. So I also did one parlor show this year. I wouldn't. I mean, I don't think that's really a technicality because it's like that's how time works. Yeah, <laughs> time you know, an illusion. That's Chris. how the calendar. <laughs> that's how the calendar goes. Yeah. So yeah. So we kept. I couldn't find any. Couldn't. Well, we were thinking about who could have done it because we know right. people who've done all five rooms. Sure. I don't know anybody who's done it. Yeah. within the same year. Who did you do your palace show with? I did the palace with Nathan Fan and Michael Rayner. Okay. Good the show. juggler. Damn good show. And did you um like uh work on a we were talking on the last episode. Did you coordinate with them kind of? Uh yeah. I Nathan and I knew we wanted to do it. So what happened was we wanted to get my friend Andrew Evans, who's up in San Francisco, who does the Magic Patio. If you're up in San Francisco, Magic Patio's uh a space in his patio mm-hmm. where he does a secret magic show it holds like 30 people he's an engineer so he has built a stage to fit it exactly and he turns wow. his bedroom into the box office oh um it's it's the weird like not just like oh i'm gonna put a table here and say it's box office like he moves everything out and like has it so it looks like a legit box office when you walk up into his apartment wow. That's cool. um, it looks like a stage it's really amazing um so he does only the shows in the summer uh and it's legit in his backyard in his patio it's called the magic patio it's fantastic so i wanted him to do a show with me and nathan because uh they wanted a an illusionist to be in our show um so i was like great i know an illusionist and it didn't work out and andrew evans got to do the peller by himself instead which is great um but i, I was now down an illusionist so i told jack i kind of went you know i have i had an illusionist but like now i can't do it and he went well you got to find another one and i went uh, but i had one and now i can't find one so like now i feel like if you can just help me and like Give me an illusionist. That would be fantastic. Right. This is before you promised you would never ask for. Great. Right. Right. This is one of the asks that is prompted. This is one of the asks. 
Because at that point, it was like, well, I... There's, there's better context for why he would say, why would I help you <laughs> later on in the year? Because <laughs> I felt like I tried really hard to, like, find somebody. And me and Andrew had gone back and forth, and we told Jack it was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. And so Jack felt like we, like, screwed him over. Right. Like, oh, you, you took this from away. Like, you said you're going to do it, and then you didn't. Right. And I was like, no, it just, like, didn't pan out. It just couldn't work. Right. So I was like, I, I don't know any other illusionists right. that will be, take one his, spot. From his perspective, he was like... He thought like you. You said like I can do a gig. I I know an illusionist. His name is Eric Illusionist. <laughs> uh, oh, he he didn't. It didn't work out. He lives in Canada. <laughs> she goes to another school. <laughs> yeah. You haven't met her. Yeah. So, so I said, Jack. You know, I don't know who else I could use. And I said, Well, what if it was like a juggler? What if it was like Michael Rayner? And Jack was like, Great, call him right now. And I went, What? And he go, and we're at the castle. We're sitting by the palace bar. And he goes, call him right now. Take your phone out and call Michael Rayner right now and ask him if he can do September this week. Did you have Michael Rayner's phone number? No. So I was like, <laughs> okay. So I had to text Nathan. I was like, give me Michael Rayner's number. And then Michael get, and then he gave me his number. So then like we walked to the break room and he was like, go ahead, call him. So I was like, okay. So, so wait, just to clarify, there's an energy of he's calling your bluff, kind of. I guess so. I don't know what it was. It was so strange. <laughs> I'm picturing just a, said, a do scenario it. where you either pretend to call Michael Rayner and you're like, what? I love you too. You want to do it for free. I can take your paycheck. If you say so, well, well Jack, we got it. Or another scenario. This isn't Michael Rayner. It's Michael Motion. <laughs> oh, well, you juggle too, right? Uh, or another scenario where you have uh, Nathan doing a Michael Rayner impression. And you're like, we just need to, we'll just convince him later. But right now, we just need to pretend like Michael Rayner's in our show. And then you do a weekend of Michael sort of well, thing. Well, I couldn't even do that because Jack was with me the entire time. Like from the point he said, call him right now, to the point where I was getting Michael's number. Jack was sitting in front of me, waiting. So it's not like, <laughs> it was this aggressive Jack Goldfinger? I was like, like hindsight was hilarious. But in the moment, I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I have to do this. So then I, we went to the break room and I called, first I called Nathan and I said, hey, I need Michael's number. Also, can you do this week in the palace? And he was like, sure. And then I was like, great, Nathan's on board. He's like, we'll call Michael Wait, Rayner. Nathan wasn't even on board at this time? Mike, Nathan didn't know. Nathan knew because we were trying to do it with Andrew Evans. Oh, right. So like he he was he knew that time frame was kind of available, but I was like, here's the hard date that we need. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So then I called Michael Rayner, and Michael Rayner answers, and it's like ten o'clock, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, uh, can you do this week at the palace? And he was like, yes, and I was like, are you sure? I'm literally sitting in front of Jack Goldfinger. Can you do this? He's like, yes. I was like, great, thanks, bye. Wow. Like, there you go, Jack. Hey. He goes, great, you're on board. And I was like, oh my goodness. So that worked out. To be clear, he goes, "You need an illusionist," and then immediately goes, "Actually, a juggler who does zero illusions will do." Correct. Yeah, <laughs> the illusion of competence. <laughs> I guess he just wanted the variety because he knew kind of what Nathan and I do, um, and he just wanted something that was different than that. Right. And Michael Rayner. Have you ever seen Michael Rayner? No, before? I haven't. Oh, he's Michael is just as loud and crazy as Nathan and I. Um, louder and crazier if not yes so i played piano for the whole show and i underscored rainer's 15 minutes that oh, he cool. did of juggling which was fantastic because i just that was selfish of me because i just wanted to watch michael rainer every single night oh um and i laughed so hard he he's like doesn't he's so crazy the last show so he does this thing where he balances your shoe on his nose if you can do it for seven seconds if you can't do it for seven seconds he gives you like five bucks or something he's a dollar i think right a oh. dollar or five bucks so the last show, he was like, it's my last show here at the castle. If I can't balance your shoe, I will give you $100. I have $100 if I can't do it. And I was so scared because there was two shows out of 22 that he did drop 
mm. shoes. So I was like, no, Michael, don't do this because it's not going to end well. Right. Uh, but he was just crazy. He did it. He was fine. But like through the show, what I learned about Michael Rayner and why I love Michael Rayner, Michael Rayner ever listens to this. I want to be his best friend forever. Um, he's like, he sounds doesn't. Like, sounds like someone's getting dropped from the roster. Oh, God. <laughs> he doesn't drop very often as a juggler. This was a hurtful moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm your best friend now. Right. I just Michael Rainer those wants to be. <laughs> yeah. He uh he doesn't drop very often, but he does drop. He like it like I don't know, like irks something at his heartstrings. So he was he balances, he juggles this tennis racket. No, he bent what is that? It's not a, yeah, a tennis racket with two drumsticks, like a devil stick where it bounces back and forth. Oh. And he's bouncing it back and forth and he does these spins and he catches it and he dropped one. So when he drops once, he usually just picks it up and goes, oh, whatever, and it's fine. And he dropped a second time and the second it hit the ground, he just went, I woke up at 7 a.m. this morning and I had to drop my kids off at school. Not like these two single guys who stayed up all night and did nothing. I have a job and I have a, I'm a father and I have a, it's a lot of work. I had to call my kid after between shows to like tell him like good night and stuff. And then he went back to juggling. <laughs> but I was like, what just happened? Like, that, nothing sparked that. Nothing sparked that. He just, like, was mad he dropped it. So, like, he was saying why he was frustrated. That's really funny. It was yeah, amazing. he's incredible. I'm sorry I can't juggle like one of your whores. <laughs> one of your future best friends. Yeah. Well, get on that. Right. I should learn. Yeah. Uh, you had some stuff you wanted to bring up, right, John? I do. I There's a, 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 a fiery intellectual debate you and I have had oh. in the past. Uh, you probably know where I'm going with this. I thought it would be good to, to bring it up on the on the cast. Uh, Let's do it. What, okay, what is a magician? And here's why I ask. Go on. We've had this, we've talked about this on the podcast before and you and I have talked about it off off air and I would like to... Off podcast, if off, you will. Off podcast. Um, and uh, going back to the debate you and I have had about if you were to take somebody who was not a magician, give them a thousand dollars to spend on self-working tricks. First of all, that person should just take the thousand and just leave. <laughs> right. And all three times I've tried it, they have. Yeah. Uh, fourth time's the charm, I'm hoping. And you were to put them on stage, you know, the next day, someone like a, a, a performer, like a UCB improviser or something. I told this to a, UC, to a UCB person about you using Dave Tooney. Uh-huh. And that you two both go out on the show and you both do it. And then at the words you say, who was the magician? And they were like, we should actually make that happen. Oh, that- I also told Dave Tooney this. Did you really? Yeah. That was fantastic. What did so, he say? I It was more along the lines of like, I my friend really likes you. That was what it boiled down to. Right. <laughs> to um, the point that he you, you used got used in a... We should... 100% do it. Here, well, Dave Tooney, I think, is a little too uh, well-known. Like, no one's showing up, like, to UCB Frank. I don't know. I feel well, like you don't do it at UCB then. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, you know. At the parlor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Robert is stroking his yeah, chin right now, and uh, he has the most delighted look of... This is going to happen in three months, Three months, even though you promised you never asked Jack for anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't tell him we'd have a guy. I would just end the show Jack Watch. I'd be like, Jack, one of these guys was not the so guy wait, you are you, you guys are not on the same side of this argument, or you are? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we're on different sides of it. We just talk... About, about it. it. So um, th- anyway, for anyone that has listened that has not, because we talked about this on an episode yeah, we've before. Discussed, yeah, yeah. Anyone that missed out on that or, or would like some more context, the, the, my theory is, is that magic is weird, and there are several quotes to back this up by Steve Martin, Jared Talgadio, about how you can sort of fake your way through looking like you're a skillful magician. And the standard to the public of what it means to be good and skillful as a magician is not inherent in 
uh, pub- the public eye. Whereas people know if they think a singer is good, they know if a comedian is funny, they know if a dancer is talented. They understand if there's an arc to be improving at those things, and they can tell if they think somebody is yes. not talented. One of the biggest problems I have uh, with magic is I've had people say, um, have you heard of this magician? And it's usually someone that I am not a big fan of. And I'm like, yes. And they go, he was at a gig that I, he was at like a, a wedding that I was at, and he was, he's the greatest magician right. I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Right. I mean, I go, well, yeah, first off, it's the only magician you've ever seen. Right. So, so that gets true. technically that's still true. true. Yeah. But they like, we're so like, that's magic. And if that's magic, like that guy is the best ever seen. And I know that guy doesn't do anything original. He's just doing double cross and right. whatever other gimmick he What's bought, people's whatever. fascination with double cross? I, everybody loves Which that one's trick. Du- I don't know what the it's fuck the Sharpie, is. the X that goes on the hand. I, oh, right. saw, I, I get it. I read it in a discussion recently where people were like, well, if you're a worker, you gotta you you gotta get double cross. Look, I, I will say though, when du- I've never seen double cross, not get a great reaction. Correct. Well, so, you've never seen so, someone do it for me. Well, the other thing, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I don't like about magic um, is I don't All like the magicians. Magicians. I don't <laughs> like the magic. Um, I don't like. You just don't like the skills, the craft, or the people involved. <laughs> I like all of the above. I don't like the way magicians sell magic to other magicians. It's right. my least favorite thing. The way the trailers are made. I watch, um, I'm subscribed to like Shin Lim and Chris Ramsey and Murphy's Magic and Vanishing Inc. And all the magic companies that sell stuff. Because yeah. I want to see what the popular people are t- telling other magicians. Yeah. And like how they're like, oh I mean, yeah, did you Shin see, said did it. You so see like, I get my, it. my trailer for a self-filling sandwich cookie? He had never seen um, <laughs> Overstuffed before. Uh-oh. And he posted on his Instagram. Did you see that trailer for Overstuffed? The trailer, and there's like yes. this like, Inception-esque music as Bizarro's doing the thing. And he reposted it. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then uh, and then somebody tagged Bizarro, and Bizarro responded. <laughs> yeah. What did Bizarro say? He said he said it wasn't up to me how they made the trailer. So he Who just, put it he, out? Uh, It might be Theory remember. 11. I think it's Theory 11. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with those uh, something companies. Like, I just have a trick released with the Magic Apple called Live and Let Die. And Penguin is... Great title. Thank you. Penguin is putting it out. And so they were going to make a, de- uh, a trailer for it. And I wasn't in town. So they were like, oh, we're just going to use our own person. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, I want to I do it because I'd rather my face be on my trick yeah. uh, when I do it. So like, oh, so this is why sometimes you'll see like... Hey, it's me from Penguin, and Correct. we're selling, and you never see the creator. In Correct. There. Oh, okay. Because okay. usually it's like they—it's a mixture of like <clears throat> time-wise, like they just need to get it out fast. So like we're just gonna use the guy, like this guy here, who's a good magician who can just do the trick. With that, they're guy's in permission. Ohio, right? They're—they have a warehouse in Penguin's California. in Ohio, but there are things in Sacramento. Their oh. warehouse. So is Vanishing Inks. Both of the biggest magic wholesales. Or Murphy's is in Sacramento, excuse But me. I would also, I actually want someday someone to explain to me, like, the distribution system where it seems like Murphy's has everything, Murphy's and then everybody just else is just, like, drop shipping from them, Correct. kind of. Murphy's is just, like, the, is just the distribution, because yeah. Murphy's doesn't really, like, There's not a lot of other, a, other industries that are, that are so centralized like correct. this. I would agree. Um, it used, like, comic books used to almost all go through, like, this company called Diamond, and it was similar, like you, you kind of had to get in with Diamond, or else your trick wasn't going, or your comic wasn't going to get yeah. sold. It seems like everything because I've bought from places where it's like we talked about this before, where you buy it from someone in Florida or something, and then it comes shipped just directly from Murphy's. It's like yeah. why don't I just buy it from Murphy's? Yeah, it's strange. It is very weird. Uh, but they so for Penguin, we filmed this trailer ourselves, and just I just sent it over to see if they liked it. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. But like my biggest problem with ma- Magic trailers is like. They make a very big deal of reactions. Yeah. And I don't think that's the right way to approach magic. Because they just go and say, they always just say, like, do this trick. This gets the most amazing reactions. If you do this, 
the the reactions are insane. You can tell by this video mm-hmm. he's getting great reactions. It's like, well, are you doing great magic? Because I think that's more important than just getting great reactions. Would you not? So you would disagree with the idea that great reactions are caused by great magic? Correct. So what? Where? Where do you? What? What? what uh, where's that coming from? Um, I think I could do a double lift and then turn it back down and then go, it changed. And you go, oh my God, that's the greatest magic I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I go, well, was that even a really great magic trick? Right. So I could do a French drop and go, coin's gone. People go, oh my God, coin disappeared. That's the greatest magic I've uh, ever seen. Right. And I don't think, I think that just means that like, met, not even that method. I just don't think basing magic off of the reaction is what the art is about. Nobody paints a painting to get the reaction from yeah, they don't, else. and they don't sell the paintbrushes that way either. Correct. Right. They don't paint. Yeah, they don't They're sell like, that paintbrush and go. Well, you're gonna. People are gonna just look at look what people, look what people did this. when they saw this painting. Yeah, uh, but no, I, that is a very funny fake trailer. That yeah, should be made. Right. <laughs> I think the. I think part of it though is that most. I feel like most of the sales are to hobbyists and not you guys. Yeah, hundred percent. So a lot of it is like. Uh, if I buy this mint that appears in on a headphone cord or whatever, is that one of them? Yes, yeah, th- that is very fully. cool. I that is good. George, <laughs> George <laughs> Luck, I bought it. George I Luck it. did He's it. Too, at, he sold me on it. My friend George Luck, who works at Vanishing Ink, demos that all the time. Yeah, I can't do it nearly as well as him. It's harder to do than you'd think. Yeah, he does it like a fucking champ. Well, he also takes. So like, you're at a convention. And he's standing there for hours behind that yeah. table, and someone says, "Can you demo this?" And he goes, "Sure." And he just takes that phone and does it. And then at one point, I said. Is this the method? And he goes, yes. And I went, it's commitment then. How yeah. long are you ready for this? And he goes, oh, all day. Yeah. I can't do it. I, I can't find the, I can't do it for like longer than two minutes. All uh, day. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Hours. It's He's like, got it ready to go. Right. I, yeah. Just to clarify, the method is you have an erection. <laughs> <laughs> so it just depends on how long you can hold it. Right. Really. John's famous for two minutes two, or two less. Two minutes or less, yeah. <laughs> John's like, do you want to see this trick? One second. Um, so the, I, I actually <sighs> disagree with you about, about the, 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 we'll call it the Dave Tooney problem. <laughs> the da- so, well, I like that. Okay. He's going to be famous in the Because I think I have seen enough now that I know a lot. I, of, I mean, look, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I think you're I don't, wrong, actually. I don't want this to be the case. And I, it's caused lots of existential dread and like, what the fuck am I even doing? I've seen enough shows now where I know the methods happening in the show and i can see the gap between what i could do and what that person who's experienced even when i saw a friend of ours recently do something at the castle that didn't go right his ability to deal with that moment was very distinct from mine sure uh, and that's not something you could do in one night i don't think i so i we don't when we can do this and i actually want to do this real bad uh the dave tuning experiment is at the comedy magic show at ucb Oh, oh yeah. Because what all you have to say is that Dave's been doing magic for four years and just no one he just never performed he's just a hobbyist. Right. Yeah. So this is his first time doing it for four years. Yeah. And then at the end you go, Okay, one of them actually hasn't been doing it for has been doing it for a week. Oh, I mean you could how about <laughs> just have like five acts and two of them are this this yeah. setup. Right, you should do it same. And then the right. audience votes on it. Because <laughs> I think see, because I I think you can. I think I could figure out the right tricks for Dave to do. I think do that's true, yeah. yeah, yeah. Buy that motherfucker a color match and he can do it. He, he just can. Correct. You know what I mean? By the way, I, I just bought a knockoff Chinese color match right. for $59. <laughs> oh my God, does it work? It's from coming from AliExpress. I don't know. It'll show up in 2021. <laughs> Each marker has a wire connected to <laughs> I the just, cup. Well, I just bought like... 
I'll buy just random magic stuff on there. And this thing that I just bought, the Universal Peak device, that I bought from a real place, mm-hmm. I happened to have purchased off of AliExpress, and it arrived yesterday, and it was the exact same one. Oh, really? Um, so <laughs> I last night, I just went and bought a bunch of stuff from that same dealer, because I'm like, if this guy's sending real stuff out, like, uh, and it's a, who knows, it might electrocute me. Right. But uh, it'll just be interesting you. to see what it is. Yeah. Right. Might kill me. Uh, I'm going to play this clip at Chris's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we should have done something. So and I Dave Tooney will do color match. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the, the Tooney problem is real. I think you could do it right. I think you could give someone a bulletproof enough act in certain contexts that, yeah, they could. But I don't off. think you could buy anything. I don't right, think you, go, right, right. you could buy anything. Oh, I agree. It has to be the right stuff. I think all the stuff. I think if you found anything that said no sleight of hand required, no blank required, mm-hmm. you could get it done. Yes. That person could have a solid, even if they did, God, even if you did five minutes, if you both did five. Right. Um, and then to be fair, you'd have the magicians do improv, <laughs> which I think you probably could tell. A hundred percent. John, do you have any improv experience? A little bit. Damn it. We got to find someone who has I mean, not like, not the kind that would put me on a, you know, Sunday night show at UCP Sunset, like the Comedy Magic Show, or Thursday night, whatever that is. Actually, the hard part would be taking magicians that do have comedy in their sets already and trying to get them to do a different kind of comedy. Well, I also don't think there are very few. I think I can count on my hand the amount of actual comedy magicians. I don't like the term comedy magician Uh um, because I think most of the time they're not funny. Right. Would you put Zabrecki in this category? No. Okay. But he also doesn't bill himself as like, comedy magician it's like when they build themselves as comedy magician because i find five, him very funny it is very funny but Stuart mcleod who i had not seen until last week is very funny very funny but i don't think he come on i don't <laughs> think he did, it's like anybody that like says comedy and magic show like here's come see my show with comedy and magic yeah is i just kind of go well are you are you doing comedy because so i think who, you're just doing who are your five comedy magicians? matt king absolutely yeah. bills himself as the show starts with welcome the funniest magic show you will ever see hmm the most hilarious Mac Ding. And he walked out and I cried laughed throughout that entire show. Mm. And I told my sister, I went, very rarely can someone say the funniest magic you're going to see. And then it Let's actually does it. that. 100%. Um, who else? Harrison. Yeah, Harrison Greenbaum, definitely. Because he's a comedian. Like, that is, that not even, like, oh, am I a funny magician? He's just a comedian. You can put a comedy between those two, uh, a com- sorry, a comma. That was dumb. Uh, you can put a comma between those two words. Uh, that would you work. mean a comma? <laughs> uh, I had a stroke just now. Um, but you can put a comma between the words comedy and magic, and like it would work because those are he's literally doing both of those and Correct. delivering them up separately. Correct. And I think successfully, magicians think that comedy magicians just saying saying like jokes in mm-hmm. your magic act, and uh-huh. that's like comedy magic. And it's like no, no, no. You actually have to like do real comedy. What about the guy with the suitcase and all and the ukulele and the bowling ball? I think Dave Kaplan's hilarious. Oh, I Kaplan's thought he was amazing. very funny. Oh my god! And I think it does. He might promote himself as comedy man. And his things are bits. Like the tricks yes. are like comedic little. They're almost like little clown, clown routines. But, but yeah. there is some good magic in there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, act. He's great. I, at one point in our Peller show, uh, I wanted to smash my ukulele mm-hmm. at the bow, like we bow, and then I just turn and I just start breaking it. But I don't know where he's getting his ukuleles that he smashes. Yeah, I don't know. Because he does, what, 21 shows at the castle mm-hmm. and shatters right. every time? Someone said that, like, you could buy, like, misshapen ukuleles or, like, ones that they don't sell for, like, $15. Oh, I, was I like, bet. But still. Right. That's 
twenty, you that's go in at fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a like, lot of money he's investing. It's like three hundred dollars. Uh, smash. Just for a bit. On AliExpress they have guitars that come out of each other, sort of like those bottles things. Oh really? It's like Appearing four, guitars? It's, it's four guitars that like So we almost well, I say we a lot of the time Nathan and I when we do our two man show is we have an idea and then we say it and if we think it's really if the other person doesn't like it, then we will fight hell and high water be like that's a bad idea we'll be like, uh-huh. oh, okay yeah you're right uh and that was one where it was like we should do this because we do like music and i went yeah can i play that guitar he goes no and i went then it's a bad like you can't play any of investment. the guitars no they're not real oh uh, i thought at least one of them would be playable no uh by the way you i think you talked to me what is this noise that's suddenly coming from my diet coke why can't you close it like yeah, a man it's just a cat that's not <laughs> like him oh wow women can't close their diet coke. there you go Jesus. Uh, and I think you talked to me. You you mentioned that the bottles thing is actually pretty expensive. It can be. You like got to get a real nice one. Well, we use China. You can show. get them for fifty bucks. They won't look. They will look bad. <laughs> so we got ours. We had one in our Peller show. Oh, we still use it. Me and Nathan. Uh, I think we paid two fifty. The first set we got was a hundred dollars at the Apple. I'm just keeping it closer here. Yep. <laughs> the first one we bought was a hundred dollars. Also, you keep Apple. talking like through your hand. I'm like, this has to not be picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you got them from the Apple? Yes. Uh-huh. And those were those were a nice set. Those yeah. were a good like set. We now use those to kind of practice with. Uh, and then we were like, well, we need a, like right. nicer bottles. Uh, so then we went 250, and they were super nice. Uh, and then Andrew Evans uses the the wine ones that are like $500, and they look... <laughs> Why can't you close that bottle? It keeps happening. <laughs> no, it's because you're not closing it all the way. I know. You just run out of strength before you fully close it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I had a big lunch. Uh, I'll take a nap. <laughs> so I'm those one look like, like real wine bottles. The necks are super thin all oh, the way okay. up. They're sh- super glossy. On stage, like, those things look like real wine bottles. So, like, you can get them for cheap, but, like, it won't work. I mean, that won't work, but they look much better the more you pay. Mm-hmm. Right. I do think that uh, lay people sense that difference between um, real skill and, like, tricks that are sort of, like, things you can buy maybe more than you guys think because when cause, I, I mean I, I hope because when i took eric to the castle last week after some of the things you saw there were ones i think i texted you after like the second show he was like oh i, I guess i'm realizing that like a lot of people do the same tricks like because he he was he there were several tricks where he was like it was fine but i knew what was going to happen as soon as it started uh and he hasn't been to that many magic shows right yeah um so i think sometimes they do feel and i could hear people talking about certain acts that we'd seen that were kind of like yeah i mean that's a very different feeling than when i'm in like the close-up room and like when we saw steve valentine or uh, honestly the johnny ace palmer show that i saw last week the, the crowd leaves with a very different feeling when they have that there there's a lot of skill being demonstrated like right in front of them in a burst yeah and i feel like some of the other shows there's just less like moves per minute or something sure so it doesn't overwhelm their senses in quite the same way right um I try to find that blurry line of, like, I don't want the audience to just walk away and kind of go, well, that's just a lot of skill. Yeah. But I also don't want them to think, like, it's self-working, even though I don't think laymen use that terms when they see magic. Um, but, like, this, like, blurry line of in the middle where the, you're not quite sure what you're watching. Yeah. But you just know it was, like, a magical experience. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. So, like... Danny D'Artis? Danny D'Artis, yes. Uh... Yes, there's, but I think sometimes you get a gauge. Here's what I think about Danny Dortiz. I think that he does an incredible job of, I mean, doing exactly what 
what he's trying to do, and that is creating an uh, illusion of simplicity in the process of what he's doing. Yeah. So he's so effectively able to convince an audience that he really hasn't done much with these cards. And so you get this incredibly powerful magic that I think the audience is not, aren't idiots, and they go, this guy's incredible. Uh, but it's it doesn't look like he's not going, now this is the hardest trick I know. You know, it's it's he, I think it hits that balance incredibly well. Yes. Um, I'm, I, I'm finding him very interesting because he has a lot of tricks that are very similar to each other, mm-hmm. and the methods are very different. Right. So I think it's fascinating that one will be like one of the in his penguin lecture. He did a couple things that I was like, that's fucking like technically hard. Like, right. Like there's one where he's like flip reversing a card over and over and doing it like right in front of people. Right. And then there's another one that's just like, oh yeah, it's just this. Like it's whatever it was. It was just. Um, I, I find that fascinating. I don't right. think an I don't know if an audience can feel that, but but I think he's someone that I think hits that line pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we, what, we both saw him in the same Heller show, and he killed. It's true in front I of a lay audience. Like that is to me like a real magician can get you that line, that blurry line where you don't feel like it's just sleight of hand. Because I kind of hate when somebody walks away saying that, unless that's exactly what you're trying to get across. So like, I just did a workshop uh, while I was in Portland about like. I had people perform a trick for me, and then we talked about through, like, kind of what they're saying. And then you were like, can I do that? (laughs) (laughs) It was more about, like, trying to... uh, So tune in and purchase Live and Let Die, (laughs) stolen from the Portland Magic Jam. (laughs) (laughs) It was more like to talk about, like, uh, if they're doing what they're saying. So this guy did a trick where it was, like, Chicago opener. And so the card turned red, and he showed it, and it was great. And then he said, you know how I did that? It's because I cheated. So we're going to do it, and I'll show you exactly how that works. So he goes through, and he says, you know, you're going to pick another card. You'll say stop. They see a card. And he goes, okay, now we're going to take out these devices. You're going to put this on your head. I'm going to put this on my head. And now with mind reading, I'm going to read what card you're thinking of. So after the routine, I just said, you know, it's you have two different methods. You're telling faux methods you're telling me, which is, A, you're cheating, which is fine, and then you're mind reading. So which one of the two is it? Because it's not really cheating to me read your mind. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you're just telling me two methods. Right. right. So I'd rather you – I was like, you can either – Chicago opener where you're about to show the red card again has changed. I said, those can either be two separate tricks and they just connect because this red card is the same or the whole thing is about cheating or the whole thing is about mind reading. Mm-hmm. But I said, you, most, and I've learned this with most magicians that they just kind of say whatever their improv is just saying stuff they've heard or just like well this makes sense like right. cheating i gave you there a- are lots of things that i think people say in magic because people say them in magic. correct and a lot of the time they don't hear what they're saying so then they don't realize in my whole life i've never heard the phrase test conditions except <laughs> in fucking magic context well i used to be a pilot and we would talk that <laughs> interesting that's what i hear all the time I, uh, I only That's hear true. this in tutorials is when they say like and at speed I'm like you mean just the normal way you do it <laughs> like, are you doing it super fast no <laughs> Chris yeah, is exposing the bullshit of magic every time I see him <laughs> I, never I love that. that I know that's what I want. People say test conditions though in their scripts like to lay people and right. I just feel like, like we'll do this under test conditions yeah yeah and it's really not because if it was it would be like in a clean room <laughs> you know I wonder how, then how would Everyone you... Everyone would be sober. What's like another way to say that? I guess, well, it's also like magicians want to make something super fair. So yeah. like, I'm a really big person. I'm not, I hate audience members in my show. 
uh, I usually don't bring anybody up on stage. <laughs> you just hate. Aud- I hate. I just isolate that just one soundbite. Robert uh, Ramirez hates hate. audience members. Uh, I like my parlor show. I'm picturing a promo sh- poster of you in the middle of like an audience, and there's a see they're all like wearing the same color scheme, and you're wearing a different color, and you're just angry as shit in the center of all of them. Hmm. Uh, I just Robert don't. Ramirez hates, I, it, hates his they, audience. They. So br- wait, you don't you don't bring a lot of people up. I don't bring anybody up. Oh. I will go to them to like if I need them to pick a card, but I won't bring them on stage to do a whole sequence with them i'd rather have them sit in the audience i say pick a card they take it and when i do the reveal i just do it myself i don't believe here we go i don't believe that they exist i think <laughs> uh, i don't believe magic in the hands of an audience member makes it stronger uh-huh. i hate that phrase explain people always say if you do if you turn this card over and then place in their hand and snap and then it changes but they're holding on to it right that's stronger than if you just turn it over held in your hand and snapped and turned right. it over okay i'm not sure i agree with you so explain your reasoning um if you go real slow and fair, it's exactly the same. You're, you're saying you can achieve the same thing, which is, they're, in, happening in their hands means like you didn't manipulate it at the last Correct. minute. But you can also make it seem like you didn't manipulate it in your own hand if right. you do it right. Sure. I, I still think that there's value in, in spectators in a show. I agree with that. But I think if we were in a one-on-one situation... If did I was, did doing... one of these audience members hurt you? Is that what happened? <laughs> yes, they make me work too hard. The worst uh, thing they can do is break your heart. Well, did they? Did you go through a phase where you had them and you started to like, yeah, not so like it as the, much? The, I started not using them a lot. Was um, the show Nathan and I did? It was actually kind of starting at the castle, performing at the castle. Um, the par, the Peller show Nathan and I have doesn't use. Uh, it's eight sketches with magic in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like eight vignettes. And the only time we used an audience member was the very last one we brought someone on stage to do kind of an ambitious card routine. But the only thing they did was shuffle the deck. That's all they did. They didn't do anything else in the routine. Um, And the reason we did that is because it had to be timed at 45 minutes. And we wanted to make sure we could run through the whole piece and have an accurate time of how long it took us. So we didn't want to do a lot of tricks where people had to come on stage because it would have, like, taken longer or Mm -hmm. they could have done something that, like, thrown something off or because they were vignettes and they were specific they would like they may like make it feel like you're not watching a specific scene anymore but it's mm-hmm. like two guys trying to deal with this person they say something funny and we comment on it or like it's now just us being performers trying to deal with and manage and the spectator you lose the context of that particular vignette correct yeah, yeah. because now you're just watching two guys like really trying to get a hold of this scene again because right. this person may be doing this. Um, and after that, like when I was doing uh, close-up, my close-up has spectator involvement where they have to pick a card uh, and a card in a number that John helped me do, which was they pick any card and then the audience can shuffle the deck freely and I take it back and then they name a number and then we deal down. And I was so afraid they were going to drop the cards when they shuffled mm. that I went, well, I'll just shuffle it. Like, it doesn't have to be that fair, because as long as they see me shuffle and I spread the deck halfway through the shuffle and double-check, you know, are these cards really being shuffled as I push them in? Are they really being shuffled into each other one at a time? They're not being false shuffled or truffle shuffled. They're really, like, being pushed in. And it was the same as if they would have just done it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There was no... It was absolutely no difference. And it saved me time and worry that they were going to screw it up. But I could do it just as fair and slow and show, yes, this is being shuffled great and it would have been the equivalent i said please shuffle these so when you did close-up like next time you do close-up you don't have people sitting there no i never have anybody sitting there anymore or i never did um because it was just easier that i could just spread the deck and have the first person right just take a card right um but i didn't need them to sit next to me to do everything 
Um, and it wasn't like they were going to see something they weren't supposed to see. It just was like a management that I can, I can show everybody how fair this was if I shuffled slowly rather than them shuffling to themselves and not everyone even got to see that fair moment. Right. And, and also, do you not enjoy like talking with them and, and I do, dealing with that part of it? Uh, I do. My biggest fear is that like some shows like could be great and some shows can be bad depending on how that person reacts. Yeah. I've seen shows fall apart because that person thought they were funnier. Mm-hmm. or that person being really drunk. Like, I still have to deal with it if if I hear stuff out in the right, audience. Right, I'll right. comment on it and, like, right. shut down hecklers or, like, if something funny, great happens, like, I'll interact with that moment in the audience. Um, but bringing them on stage, to me, gives me, like, a 50-50 shot whether or not they're going to be perfect mm-hmm. and make the show even better or completely, like, t- take a sharp left turn and I'm going to have to rally back up but if i can just do the show that i know is going to be solid every mm-hmm. time with these extra bonuses of what i hear then i know at least my standard's always gonna be right here opposed to having to bring two people on and then i'm going uh this could change mm-hmm. which is i i and it's funny I, I feel like there has to be some inspiration there from your theater background where it is all controlled yes and so that ha- I, I, it has to play some part in your philosophy I, I agree. Well, it d- definitely nowadays, especially like a, doing like, like a consistency in the product you're delivering. Yeah, especially doing a lot. You of also more wear a very elaborate costume. Yeah. Super elaborate. I do. Um, and there's an hour makeup before. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, before. stole from the set of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> stole he wears that on wig stage. like uh, Donny Osmond. Osmond. Yeah. yeah. That's um, a Mass Singer reference. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch that TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. Just. Yeah, he's great. He's uh, I don't know how people confuse him that he was going to be Neil Patrick Harris. That sounded like Donnie Because the coat... He was the peacock, Because right? the coat yeah. had rainbows. I got that. But, and like, that sounded like Donnie Osmond. Robin Thicke kicked him like, oh, I gave him a... I think it's Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. And also, they don't like gay people. <laughs> the Mormons. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I, I think it does come from that, but doing a lot more, like, stage stuff, too, has helped me want to... It's just easier to time... To me, it's like a timing thing because I'm always afraid if someone's like, do a quick 10. It's like, oh, do I have, like, what is 10 minutes? How long is 10 minutes in this? Because yeah. if I did a trick that, if I'm doing cards across with people, that could vary from five to the, eight minutes. Right. Bringing people up makes it feel more like a, like an entertainment of some kind or like a, cor- not a corporate show, but like, I'm just, in and of itself didn't have any audience, did it? Uh, yeah, the it person did. with the book. I mean, it had the person with the book, it but the it didn't. The book. It ha- no, it has the, um, it has the person with the letter. That's what the book does. Oh no, you're right. That's different. Those are oh, there's the letter. Thing. There's the letter, and then I would say the there's just a there's. But to it, me, there wasn't a person up there to make things fair, right? Uh, no, to like I really Check shuffled things. this, and now yeah, now my mom. But that's a good that's a good a example too of like. It, <laughs> <laughs> can it, you confirm? That my <laughs> uh, I, I can I, say that, you guys. <laughs> Chris is a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think that like uh, it doesn't feel like I don't know. I like want to bring more of a theatrical show when I do magic. And having you just be able to watch takes the pressure off of you, too, of, like, is he going to come out here and pick somebody? Because most of the time when you say, I need a volunteer, most people, yeah, I think only that's a few what people it, will raise their hand and it's drunk or, that, like, over That's kind of what I mean when I'm saying it feels more like an entertainment when there's people getting up, going up there, hey, what's your name, where are you from? It feels like there doesn't feel like there's a fourth wall of any kind. Yeah. So if you're going for something more theatrical, you kind of need that maybe. Yeah. And I start my show off. Uh, I now use a sketch pad for my stage show. Um, and each sketch, uh, each, the sketch pad has the names of each trick that I'm going to do. So the music starts and the first thing it turns over and it says the busker. And then I do a silent act with cigar box juggling and I tap dance and restore a newspaper. Mm. 
And so when that's over, it blacks out and it comes back up and I change the page and I do the next thing. So immediately you as the audience know you're just going to watch. You're mm-hmm. going to sit and watch these like things. Right. Um, and when I use people, I, I go out in the audience and just get what I need. So I have someone select a card and I just walk out and say, pick a card and make bits off that. I do call that guy ugly. Nice. <laughs> That's my favorite. So you thing. preserve the part where you get to berate an audience. Yeah, yeah. Right. They, just, they just don't get to be on stage and have fun. Correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I come. So I walk out and I say, "This is where I need up two two volunteers." Um, but usually, magicians pick the hottest girl, like the lowest cut dress. But not me. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to pick the ugliest dude. I go, Sir, you'll do fine. And then I walk and I go, "Pick a card, ugly dude." Uh, and then so because so I came from, up. it's so good. It's my favorite bit. So like. Uh, in the parlor, the character the character I had couldn't apologize for that, and I still don't apologize. Um, but I couldn't like riff off of that because it would have been out of character for this normal guy who's doing magic. So then, when I start doing it now as myself, as I walk out and I say, "Pick a card, ugly dude," and I walk over to him, and this happened in Chicago Magic Lounge the first time. The dude was this huge black dude that I didn't realize was like super buff from where I was standing. So I walked all the way to him and I went, "Oh my god, you are so big! Is he still looking at me?" Oh my God, he's going to follow me home and kick my ass. Are you going to follow me home and kick my ass? Okay, good. And then I look at somebody else. I go, I should have chose you as the ugly dude. And then I always go, oh my God, now two guys are going to follow me home and kick my ass. <laughs> uh, and then they pick a card and it's fantastic. But I don't bring them on stage because um, I don't want everyone to see that they're not ugly <laughs> or that they're ugly. Right. It could yeah. go either way. Um, but I just have more fun doing that because also like they aren't saying anything to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not forcing them to put dialogue with me because mm-hmm. it's all still to myself and right. the only thing they're doing is picking a card yeah then i go great and i walk out um it's the same thing with like revelations um in that trick the card jumps the to book a- of revelations of course <laughs> <laughs> of course um, and the book of revelations is just stuff like say it's the wrong card but it actually is <laughs> like when you open up the bible it's weird that one chapter is just about like magic trick well in that bible that page is ripped out but it's in another like a picture <laughs> right, frame it matches and, the, perfectly. and it matches yeah, perfectly wow. it's weird it's, it's revelations 124 yeah <laughs> Yeah, I picture, was Mormon, so I know. There's a picture I can of, say that. of Di Vernon, and you throw the Bible at it, and then the Ace of Spades is there. Yeah, and Vernon catches on fire, because yeah, right. he's uh, the devil. <laughs> I knew something was up with him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mean Revelations in general? Or Di the- Revelations Vernon. in general, a lot of the times. D-V, <laughs> devil, whoa. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Quickly, someone no, open Revelations no 666. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Dude, I wish people could see me and Robert trying so hard to come up with a bit with an L. You should have seen our faces yeah. as we're both silently <laughs> trying to write. Eyebrows frat like <laughs> squinted. We both, we have like four seconds before this isn't funny anymore. Before we pass, we gotta go. <laughs> um, like Revelation. So at the end of that trick, the spectators holding a paper bag with a bottle inside that they checked was empty before. And at the end, the card shows up in that bottle. But I don't have them take out the bottle to show the card because I know they're not going to show everybody what's inside that bottle now. Sure. So I always take it back from them, and then I slowly pull it out to make sure everyone can see it. Because um, I am not a fan of, like, take that out. Now make sure everybody can see it. Right. Because even when I ask, I want you to read that number out loud, I always have people just go, uh, 36, 35, make sure everyone can hear it. Right. Mm. There like, is a I lot of, ask again. there is a lot of risk in putting the climax of any effect, especially yes. which was the finale of your show. Yes. In the hands of somebody that has not been at the rehearsals. Correct. Uh, Correct. So there is, yeah. And I think there are graceful ways to get around that. Yeah. So, so you probably don't love that, uh, it's completely uh, the thing that was in Penn and Teller, the uh, fully automatic card trick, <laughs> where you like you give the deck to the person oh. and they do the whole thing themselves. Uh, uh, yeah, Caleb, uh, Caleb Wiles. Yeah, I think that's yes. right. Uh, 
I that's mean, probably it's not going in your act. That's not going soon. in my act. Yeah. Um, well, then you have that Andre trick where he just sat in the chair. Yeah. And she, he gave her the, head, the he head. gave Allison the headset, and yeah. she uh, Andre Shinichkia, um, oh. and I did say that correctly. Wow. She, she the only, on he's the only man that can say that. Uh, correct. Andre Shinichkia. So. Well, he knows all the Korean magicians. <sighs> And right. to me, I'm like, they all look the same. Um, he can say that. Chris can yeah. say that. Chris can say that. He's Because uh, it's true. Because yeah, he looks like all of them. <laughs> and we're going to cut that one. <laughs> no, he can do that. I'd look just like uh, Eric Chen if he got stung by a bumblebee. He <laughs> 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 just want to uh, talent. Oh, did he win? Did you win today? Did yeah. you see it? I, yeah, I haven't watched the it. The chocolate act? act? I haven't yeah. watched it yet. That's good. Oh, that appearance of that Rubik's Cube as he's pouring it is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's really good. Um, congratulations to Eric Chen. Yeah, he that's ghosted Robert, didn't have breakfast with him. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's been a big year for him. <laughs> it's been a big year for old Eric Chen. Um, I do have a, a, a bit that I want to talk to you about later. Okay, <laughs> that sure. plays off of that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> later. It's uh, unfortunate. It, it, it might be problematic, though, so I'm not going to say <laughs> on the airwaves. I might run for office one day. Oh, God. Um, what were we talking about before? Revelations and doing right. kind of just doing. I'm just more of like I'd rather be in charge of everything. Yeah, and I'm not like a control. Oh, you were talking about uh, the headphones on headphones. Yes, that's some headphones, right? Oh, so Andre has a routine where he uh, basically has Allegan Hannigan select a card. He puts a card. Her in name the is deck. Allison, not Allegan. What did I say? I said Allison Hannigan. You said Allegan Hannigan. <laughs> I don't think I did. Everybody we'll listening check the tapes. rewind. We'll check the tapes. <laughs> and then texted. You said uh, Alligator Hanson. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alligator. Uh, so Alligator picks a card, <laughs> and they put it back in the deck. Uh, I, like that I couldn't say Allison, but I can say Andre Shinichia. <laughs> um, I'm going to need you to laugh into the mic, please, so people can hear how funny that nope. joke was. Robert leaned over to laugh, and I'm like, if people didn't hear that, that killed in this room. <laughs> I mean, it was a 50-50. We're going to edit, the people we're gonna edit in, like, stock laughter from well, that same audience. Well, when John entertains half of an audience, he says he killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so she picks a card, puts it in the deck, and then he, like, gives her this headset that gives her instructions, and he just goes, and Penn and Teller are sitting at the table, he just goes and sits in the chair and just watches it happen, oh. and then she, uh, there's some process to make, someone shuffles or something happens, and then she goes through the cards and finds her own, like, he, she finds, uh, like, Penn's card or yeah. something. Hmm. That's pretty cool, and it fooled them. Uh, he's changed it since then. He's updated it a couple times, I believe. Yeah. But that's, I mean, but that, there's a routine that very successfully puts it in their own hands. I, yeah, re- I really I think- wish that when you put on the headset, it just plays like Childish Gambino. <laughs> and like, but, just hope you, hope you get it right. <laughs> but I think in that sense, like, that person is so a part of the trick that they know, like, because they're a part of it from start to finish. Right. I mean, they're literally being the magician. Yeah. Um, and it's different, like, if I put something in your hand and then told you to show it, you're only part of the finale part of that. So then uh, what say you about, uh, about like, pre-show and instant studying? Um... I I used to be more into, like, if one person knows how it's done, I'm okay with that. Okay. But I try really hard to make that person still get fooled by something. Like dual reality. Kind of, yeah. Right. But I... Like, at the end, you're like, my name is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, oh, God. I, f- I fooled you with times. that one thing. <laughs> so we do... In Nathan's show, me and Nathan, in our Pella show, we have a thing with a person on stage. And I'm going to say that we we don't pre-show them, but we do talk to them before uh-huh. because people see it happen. That's the other thing. is like the second people in line see you do this, you just kind of go, all right, like it's all right. pre-show. So we 
I always try to make it super fair to that person so that if someone talked to that person, when they tell you what... So you wanted to feel like there are test conditions, perhaps? Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't say it. Uh, but it makes... I try to make it fair so that if you ask that person what happened, what they would tell you is super clean as well. Yeah, it, we so we saw something last week that uh, we had some pre-show in, and the pre-show, the person that came to do the pre-show wasn't the Magician. performer. Yeah, yeah. And then when I saw it the second time when you were not there, right? As I was walking out, the there was a discussion between the person that was involved, the the audience member, yeah, and like all of their friends, and they were like, "Yeah, they came out and talked to me," and so they, the six of them, basically deconstructed the whole thing. Like, Correct. Right after the show was over. Right. So I try to make a very big deal. Come on, John, don't I, hit the microphone. I'm I try to make it a very big deal of like what I'm doing to them is super as fair. And I remind them over and over again. Like it, when you go back, when you see this in the show and you go back to what we did now, you'll realize that that has no yeah. connection with it because of A, B, and C. Right. I make like I lay out like why it won't make sense to them. Right. Or why it doesn't, it doesn't. Associate with what's going to happen. I think pre-show annoys me so much because I feel like the things that I like the most are where, if I look back at it, I had a fair shot of figuring it out based on the information that was given to me. But like your skill might be so good that I didn't see that move or whatever. Whereas a lot of pre-show stuff, I'm just like, well, I didn't know that was <laughs> correct. A thing going uh, into this. The other thing that I love that I wish more people did is stooges, because everyone always thinks it's a stooge. That guy must be in it. Mm-hmm. And it that's never the answer. Yeah. Never has someone been like, yep, I paid that guy. And I just want it to happen. Like, I want to do a show in the parlor where I do have a stooge that I ask, name anything. I mean, does it every time. There, there is a, uh, since you come from a more theatrical background, I think a fun pitch would be to do a show where, and you probably couldn't do this at the castle, where every member of the audience except one is a stooge. <laughs> yes. And you eventually like reveal all of them. And the entire <laughs> show is just for one person right. in the audience. <laughs> Pat and Teller have a bit where they suggest that. Their joke book routine oh. talks about that. They have a, a, a routine, it's like a mentalism routine. That's right. Like making fun of people that do, you know, quote, real mentalism. So they do is how do we, you know, lower the stakes on this sort of. And so they have a bunch of joke books. And they do a book test with joke books where people um, like think of jokes in a joke book. And then they'll say the jokes on stage. And at the end of the routine, there's an envelope that's been on stage the entire show. People could come up and sign it before the, for the show. And they have somebody come up on stage and they uh, they like think of a joke or something. And they, they go into the speech of... Like, what if we hired an entire audience to come here? Every single person in this show is, is ready to say the exact same thing. Like, ex- you know, because they're going to all shout the end of the joke or something. Like, and we've hired them all to say the exact same thing. And you're the only person that actually in this show, like something like that. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. So they open the paper and it's the punchline of the joke. Uh-huh. But the guy can't see because it's behind them. Right. They say, all we want you to do is read the setup to the, 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 setup to the joke. And so when they do, the entire audience yells the punchline. Ah, right. And it's hilarious. That's cool. It's very smart. Yeah. But I, I but going. I want to uh, really I want it to really happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what like I wanted to but I think of things I would do if I had Bill Gates money, which is like at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the end that this is a show I saw last night. Picking up on an off off podcast conversation. One of the worst shows I've ever seen. But at the end of it, Charlie and Willie, like they, you know, he's giving him the factory. Spoiler alert! And what? They, he's looking back at the castle, and it's a very he separated him from Grandpa Joe. So like he's not around anymore, and I, I wish I had a piece of paper so I could pretend to tear up my tickets. There was a lot of digital projection, and if I was, if I had that much money, I would pay the projectionist that night to when he puts his arm around the kid to just put like sponsored by Leaving Neverland. <laughs> <laughs> 
just for that night. Yeah. W- what I think um, would be funny is if you had a, a stooge in your show and it was someone dressed in 1920s old time, like tuxedo and <laughs> Oh, and a actually, that would be really funny. It's like, what is your name, sir? My name is Reginald Johnson. <laughs> well, I'm a I Cooper. Need- <laughs> I, I make the metal bands that go around barrels. I need to borrow a half dollar from you. Oh, here's a 1963. Uh, does a gentleman have a pure silk pocket square? Why, yes, I do. Yes. You'll find no. Uh, you'll find no. Actually, that'd be weird really in there. funny. Like, is, is it like ask for like a doctor and he's like, "Well, I, I read bile from you know, <laughs> like, and the various humors." You'll find no hokum in this top hat, my good sir. Yeah. <laughs> Conjure away. There was a show, or there's a trick that I was doing very briefly because it used pre-show and I wasn't a fan of it. Uh, it's an Andy Nyman trick of because we love Andy Nyman. Love Andy Nyman. And a great trick uh, where. You have a Blockbuster membership card mm. uh, and a VHS tape in a bag. And what it looks like on stage is you say, I was talking to somebody before the show. We were, were chatting and we, movies came up. Um, we were talking about things and I told you just to think of a movie. And you, you haven't written it down. You didn't tell anybody. Like you just thought of it. And they go, yeah. So you get four random numbers and you fill out uh, this piece of paper. And you put the paper on front of the, uh, like you tape it to the bag. And then they name the uh movie and they take out the vhs tape and the vhf is the movie and then inside is a blockbuster card on the back is the same membership number mm. uh, as the bag it's a super easy method and that's why i read it. i went oh that's a perfect easy like three minutes to put in a show mm-hmm. but you had a pre-show it and i was like oh it's so gross right. it's just hard to say it the second you say we talked before the show everyone just kind of goes well right. there's the end of that right um so that what i started doing was saying that i talked to multiple people before the show started there was like five or six people and uh, <laughs> Chris, since you're, since you're very close to me, since you're the closest right now, right. Uh, you happen to be sitting close. Um, Robert, I'm sitting on your lap right now. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> you know I'm to trying to do that mint trick, and you're blocking the way. <laughs> uh, so, like, I can do that mint trick. <laughs> John does that mint trick a couple times a day. <laughs> right now. Stop it. Um, so, like, I try to, And like, did that feel better when you phrase it like kind that? Kind of. Especially, like, saying, like, I talked to a bunch of people, and they all thought of different movies. But since you're sitting the closest to me... And do you still use a Blockbuster card? So, it's... No, it's just... I have, like, a double blank card that I printed Blockbuster logo on it. No, I mean, it's, like... Is is part of it that, like... Yes, it's the nostalgic that it's Blockbuster. And it's also VHS tape that you have to pull out. Um, But also, like, I had audience members pull those things out because it was super fair. And I was like, ah, they're not showing... They can't show the tape very clearly. And they can't show... And it was already, like, that was pissing me off. Um, And I didn't have any good... You'll know I've never done a trick before if you ever see me do something that there's no pattern to. Like, if I'm just saying what I'm doing, right. just go, yeah, Robert's never done this trick before because mm-hmm. he, right. he's just saying what he's doing. Right, right. And so, if you start with, like, I just got this from Penguin Magic. So, at, <laughs> at Portland, we had to do two gala shows. I didn't tell you this. We had to do two 20-minute gala shows in Portland. Uh, and so, the first one, I did my normal bit, my normal, like, set that I do. And the second one, I didn't have any material. Oh, like, they had to be different? Yes, because it were two different nights and it was the but same. But the same people were seeing. Correct. Oh, so, it had okay. to be different. So the second night, or I mean, I could have just not done it. That was also a yeah, choice, because yeah. I didn't want to do one gala show. But the other guys were doing it, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do both of them. So the second night, I was like going on last, and I was like, I don't, I like have stuff that I'm gonna do, but like I, ha- there's no, like I just did a lecture about like connecting everything and making everything a show, and I was like, and I'm just gonna walk out and do tricks. That's not funny. So I was like, uh, I'm gonna pretend I bought everything. Great, let's do this. And so like I walked out, and Levitt introduced me. And he was like, next, last is Robert, and uh, he's out of material. So he went to the dealer's booth about an hour ago and he just picked up some stuff so enjoy and I walked out and pretended that I had never done any of those tricks before and it was stuff that I did in the parlor show yeah the parlor show oh, cool. could be done with that description correct so I did like the card and bottle which is already the five card the homing card which right. already feels like it messes up 
Uh, and then I did a trick that I actually brought here um, that I legit bought for a dollar and I did it on stage and I was like, great, that's it. Great, cool. And I just moved on. Um, so I have done it. So it looks like I've never done anything. <laughs> funny. Uh, which was really fun for the magicians because they all laughed at it. Yeah. And all the laymen that were there that bought tickets were very confused. Right. And they felt very bad for me. <laughs> uh, so there was, uh, what, what what kind of festival was this? So it's a Portland Magic Jam is a small convention in Portland. And, uh, but there were lay people at it. Yeah. So the gala shows, they sell uh, tickets to the public. And uh, a lot of conventions, like smaller conventions, will do that yeah. to just make it bigger. The uh, gala show's bigger. I just registered for that Ohio one. Over oh, Magic Fest next yeah. year? Nice. All the reservations you can cancel up till like December or something right. like that. You'll like it. But... Magic Fest is super cool. Yeah. Uh, have you? Oh, I want to ask you about Blackpool. Yo, yeah, so oh, yeah. I was about to ask you about that. You just went to Blackpool. Uh, yes. And you what were. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> you were. Uh, you were not there in the dealer room. Is that? What I you was mean? not in the dealer room. I could have. The dealer room was gigantic. It's like a two-story. Isn't story. it the biggest dealer room in the in the world? Yeah, for it's Magic like Conventions. It, it's like you can barely. There's like barely a walking lane in between like tables on both sides. Right. Okay. Like you like have to like squish like a subway right because i mean i'm sure this changes also but uh the fism dealer's room was not that big it was about maybe about the size of the one at magic live which is huge but so like this was like double the size of magic live but in like the same room oh man so like all the tables were so mm. close to, like right. it was so packed and there was like more rows you can go up and down through but like you could barely walk through them right. and then there was an upstairs that had more tables and then there was another room like down the hall that had more tables. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so just to clarify, you do have stuff that you've released and sold. Yes. Um, on my website well, at, at robertmagic.com. Don't you fucking dare plug your products. I won't at robertmagic.com. Right if you want to buy Live and Let Die, you couldn't buy that at robertmagic.com. <laughs> or Expert Phone <laughs> Technique. <laughs> so, uh, Roar Road to Phone Magic is coming, so just get ready for that. <laughs> what about a Don't you dare plug like, your stuff on my podcast. I'm not going to plug Rob Ram Magic. A book that's like... It's also my Twitter and my Instagram. Jesus uh, Christ. All right, can we just stop? <laughs> expert at the AT&T counter <laughs> for your phone magic. Um, but so now if you, if you want to be a dealer, you would like pay them some money. Yeah. You'd get a table. So I have a table at this year's Magic Live. Which you will not okay. be at. Is that correct? I will be there Sunday night, which is okay. the first night, and Monday morning, and then I'll be gone. Okay. okay. So but, you're paying for one night? Or like well, I'm, one, I, I'm paying for the table space, uh-huh. which is conveniently next to vanishing inks because they there's you have to walk into so i put my cove right on the outside of it so you have to walk past mine to get in right um that through so you pay some like rent to be in the dealer's room it's like when you have to walk through the souvenir shop after the ride at disneyland yes yeah the place no one wants to be no one wants to go to (laughs) and it's just adjacent to the thing they actually want vanishing ink is space mountain (laughs) and, and you are the uh hero <laughs> cart across the street no you're the like face painting that no the one goes part to. there's the star wars thing now where you just walk in and it's like here's a model of a millennium falcon it's like, this is not a ride <laughs> right um yes i'm that uh but so the look robert just gave me as i made that joke <laughs> it cut like a knife yeah um you definitely want michael rainer's friendship <laughs> <laughs> how so, dare you say that to me so what was the uh what? Why were you going to Blackpool? Like, what were you hoping to get out? So of? I was in Blackpool because I was lecturing and performing. So okay, I did cool. uh, my hour lecture and then I did my uh, twenty-minute close-up show. Well, in in ten, this ten world, minutes. how much of this is you like pitching yourself to do lectures at places, and how much is them reaching out to you to like? I have been very lucky that I've just people just reach out to me. So yeah. that's something that uh, I actually had a conversation with this about uh, with a friend of mine. Like, I feel a lot of validation in my magic because I don't don't i don't own business cards 
uh, I just got my website like last month so I could sell stuff on, but yeah. it's not designed for people to hire me to yeah. book me at their weddings. Um, I don't hustle that aspect of it. I just kind of create stuff and do stuff because I want to create and perform. Right. Um, so I've just been lucky that like people have like it enough that they go, Hey, can you do that at magic live? And then people will see it at magic live and they go, Hey, can you do that at Blackpool? And Hey, can you do portal right. magic? Jam? And Hey, can you do it here? Um, so I'm very grateful that like it's validation. Cause it feels like I'm just doing my thing and people like it enough. Yeah. That they want to hire me to do it at their event at their, their convention for other magicians. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I would almost say probably for both you guys, as you might, as you get a little older, because I'm very similar. Like I always wanted to be like, I'll just be so good at it that people like want me to do it. Right. Yeah. And then you, I think we've, we've talked about it on this podcast before, but you, you see other people that are like also good, but also have that hustle part of it. And there will be sometime, like sometimes like five years ago by and be like, Oh, they are doing this now. Right. Um, yeah. Because every moment in a conversation where they could, where you could have said like, Hey, I'm good. I could do that gig too or whatever. Sometimes those other people are like putting themselves forward for things. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes those opportunities kind of stack up in a way that over a period of like years can get somebody further ahead than sure. You yeah. know, I, I always, the people that are very huckstery, I feel like they should in, just in general, this is comedy too. They should just focus on their craft more. And then I feel like there's a lot of people that are really good at what they're doing that should that could probably toot their own horn more. Right. Yeah. Um, Something that like, I, Something that, like, why I kind of like Nathan Fan's hustle is he, like, did birthday parties for a very long time. Oh. Um, and, like, he works a lot now, but yeah. it was kind of, like, the bigger gigs he was doing was also because he wasn't hustling that. He was just hustling, like, his day-to-day income. Right, right, right. right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which was very interesting. So, like, he did, he does Teatro Martini um, out in Buena Park, uh, and then he was doing... Uh, uh, not the illusionist masters of illusion mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, and he didn't really submit for that it was because someone saw him somewhere else and then he just kind of did that and from that he would get other things yeah that's um, now cool. granted he does push like really hard he's like I want to do this theater so I just rented this space out in Vegas and I'm just going to do a show there and you can yeah. go that's ludicrous like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard that you're just going to spend money on that well, theater to rent it out but- I actually did think like uh, I, did we talk about on the podcast that I that I tested for a pilot this year yeah we did. Uh, did we mention how much money I didn't end up making? <laughs> I don't know that we did because oh, because it was the well, you found that out the day we taped with Harrison, and I didn't want to. Ask about oh, that. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I test for a pilot this year, and for when you test for a pilot, you have to sign your contract before you do the last audition, the screen test, or whatever. Interesting. So the I signed a five year contract for forty thousand dollars an episode, which is very low actually <laughs> in the field. Um, is it really? Yeah, minimum is like twenty five, and like. All the people on Superstore make a hundred <laughs> per episode. Yeah, everyone. I thought they made thirty grand an episode. Uh, no. I know America Fair makes one fifty. Sure. But, oh my god. Um, and that's low because the Big Bang people make a million per episode. I, I did know that. I know that. Yeah. Um, but the, I was thinking like uh, one thing I could have done if I had booked that job, which I didn't, is like to do a, to rent a Broadway house. Yeah. You could rent one. Like if I had a million dollars, I could basically like put up the Chris Grace variety show, rent it for a month and invite everybody I know who wants a Broadway credit to just come (laughs) do five minutes. And then you've been on Broadway. Yeah. Like hundred percent. Yeah. Let me ask you an unrelated question. How much money do you have? Because I have an idea. (laughs) Uh, What? (laughs) Okay. Bear with me here. 
you take a million dollars. You rent, I don't know, the Schubert. Yeah. And you call the Chris Grace Variety Show. Yes. I do five minutes on it. Yes. Then I have a Broadway credit. We can monetize that into, I don't know. The setup live on Broadway. The setup live on like Broadway. Like similar to the Bruce Springsteen thing. Kind of like uh, <laughs> you and I can do a magic comedy version of Oh Hello. Yeah. I mean, I have enough money to um, bring you to Scotland this year. That is true. You are a fund. <laughs> I forgot that you're funding that. And, <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, and uh, actually, this is good because John might need material that doesn't require audience members. <laughs> right. We were talking about that. And actually, that is a conversation I want to have with you because oh, I'm yeah. right now putting together my one-man show for Edinburgh and... I realize, given my time slot, given that I'm new, and given that it's so competitive getting people in those seats, because yeah. there's, what, thousands of shows? Three there's 3,000 shows. shows. Oh, my God. Right? I have, like, a 60-seat theater, and, you know, there will be shows where I have four or five people in the audience. And therefore, if I'm doing an hour-long show, and a lot of the material that I'm currently writing does involve audience interaction to yeah. some degree, it's going to be a real problem if I only have five people, and I have, you know, five pieces in the show, and they all require someone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if four of them are pre-show. Right. <laughs> uh, so wait, but you were at Black Bull, you lectured and performed, and you were you selling stuff too? I was like, not, you, I sold stuff after my lecture, uh-huh. but I didn't have a, desi- a designated space to sell my stuff. Okay. But it was interesting because I was doing a trick. Uh, I have a Corns Through Table that was released through Vanish Gink uh, like a year ago. It was like my second release, uh, two years ago. And to me, like, uh, not everyone has seen it, but it, to me it's like an old trick because I do it very rarely uh, and I did it uh, at a bar in Blackpool, and just people were going nuts over it. And I kind of thought, oh, that's right. You guys have never seen me. You have no idea who he is. And that's uh, kind of difficult. I love being the unknown guy at conventions. Because even at Magic Live, I was in a show with Jason Ladani, Bob Sheets, Chad Long. Nobody knew who I was. Right. Um, so it was always really also like validating that like they announce my name and I walk out, and no one has any idea who I am mm. by the end uh, people are very nice and compliment me afterwards. So I kind of go, great. The guy they didn't know, they enjoyed. And Portland was the same way. The first gala show, it was me, Tom Burgoon, Jonathan Levitt, and David Regal. Um, and I closed the show and I was like, they're going to ask me and I'm going to have, no one's going to applaud, no one's going to do anything. So I did all my very good stuff that first gala show so that the second show I could do whatever I want mm. and have a bit like I did. But it was very, uh, I've gotten used to being that guy that nobody knows and having to work just a little bit harder to make sure I go, this is why I'm here. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then I can go back to being dumb right. in my yeah. sense of humor. By the way, it's glad to hear a lot of women are getting booked on these gigs. <laughs> Woof. That's something I, I mean, I just think about it all the time. <laughs> I, I'm watching Shit's Creek on Netflix right now, and it's like everybody in that show is white. But then I heard it was filmed in Canada. So I was like, eh, I cut him a little slack. Yeah. But I'm always just conscious of that. However, you know, you're pro- how often are you the only person of color on a lineup? Uh, almost all the time. Um, and that's kind of the way it should be. I think John was saying before. Except in like, Europe, <laughs> I don't. Except in Europe, because like Blackpool, that. I mean, all the Spanish magicians are there because they're close. Right, right. So like the close-up show, uh, close-up show is mostly people. The close-up color, show was actually. me, Hector Mancha, uh, uh, Michael Chatlin, Danner Garcia, and the other. Is brothers. Michael Chatlin a French guy? He that is French. Is kind of adorable. Oh, he's. I think he, he's. I think he's at he's my. He's your alley. type, a hundred percent. I think I might have just bought something co- just because he was in. So the I way. bought a trick from him. I rarely buy magic. I rarely buy gimmicks anymore. Yeah. Um, and I bought one. Let me ask you a question: How many tenio tricks do you have with you right now? I bought three ten. Well, I have three. I only bought. Tenios don't. They're, they're not don't gimmicks count. though. They're not gimmicks. They're little show pieces. You would never like try to. They're never trying to pose as something else. Oh, are they? Sure. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, 
The only I, mean, I love Tenya. That wasn't a knock on yeah. Tenya. Oh no. But like the last thing I didn't buy this. Eric Tate uh, gave me super uh, ultra lucky uh, coin poker mm, yeah. thing. Yes, yeah. which uh-huh. is fantastic. And I called him the day after I did it in a gig, and I cussed him out because I was like, I don't do uh, like rarely do I do other people's magic anymore. I kind of just do my own stuff. And I went this killed at this. Cl- I did it all night. That's how oh, I that's closed awesome. everything. I think because I went, it was fantastic. And I said, I hate that. Like. I hate that I'm doing it. Did that lucky coin come from card college? Yes. Okay. So this is his gimmicked version of it. Cool. It's very good. It <laughs> is very good. It, did fool, it fooled me. Yeah, it's very good if you haven't. Uh, I've, no, I've seen video there, of it. There's one mo- There's one very fooling moment of it, obviously, for, yes. the, for a, 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 like a kicker. Yeah. It's about the kicker. That's the whole. That all trick is all the about the kicker. kicker. Yeah, just like football. It's all about yeah. the kicker. But it's it's a very good trick. Um, <laughs> John, and extensive football knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> all about the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Michael Chatelain did this trick where he bar- he took a bill and he folded it in quarters and he said, "I'm gonna if I can't find your card, or I'm gonna find your card, uh, and if I don't, or if I do, I'm gonna give you the money." Uh-huh. So they picked a card and then he spread the deck out and he held the folded bill in his hand and he went across the spread and then he went say stop and they said stop and then he went boop and he touched the deck and the bill without his fingers moving turned into the card and he cleanly opened it. And you saw both sides of the card and showed that it was their card Ooh. and I was like. That's the greatest thing I've ever seen. That right. I could do that magic bar immediately. So I went to the afterwards. I went to up to him and I said, "Do you sell that?" He's like, "Yes." I said, like, ah. "I'm gonna buy it from you." He went, okay. Oh, nice. He was super nice. He has very little English. I just looked him up and yes, he's in. He's in the Chris Grace. Magician <laughs> Let me see a picture of him. Who else? Who else is in that? So look at him. He's adorable. Oh yeah. That's, Wait, what picture? That's, you that's all. I mean, Chris. he's you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely. You see what my husband looks like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who else is in? The, I'm trying to think of other people that would. Be. Oh. Yeah, Please. number one is Paul Wilson. That's number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason England. Paul yeah, Wilson Jason is his, for sure. This is his hall pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. I got a few hall passes. <laughs> <laughs> Not Michael Chatlin. Uh, it's good to know. Yeah, Jason England is very hot. I I think John Carney is adorable. John Carney has this sort of uh, um, like. Uh, drunk uncle. Are you about to do the mint trick right now? Yeah. <laughs> Dr- drunk uncle, Irish. I have a soft spot for like kind of schlubby Irish uncles. And uh, I feel like John Carney's one of those. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a type. Schlubby, schlubby Irish yeah. uncle. Yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. Whatever. I think uh, Guy Fieri, if he had a haircut, is cute. So don't go by me. Right. Whoever is out Oh, yeah. There. You must have not listened to the Harrison episode because that's where you revealed your three guilty yes. loves. Guy Fieri, Larry the Cable Guy, and Alex Jones. Oh, woof. Wow. I know. So, whatever. If we look through your red tube or whatever, <laughs> I'm sure there'd be. <laughs> it's all Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying that. that uh, no one in your red tube can do a push through shovel. No. <laughs> <laughs> they can do a push through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't like this conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, they were. Uh, was uh, that your first time at Blackpool? That was my first time in well, England. But I didn't get to oh. go to London because I had to come back because I had to do Chicago Magic Lounge the next mm-hmm. weekend. How's that? It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. You've gone. I've seen. I've watched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think I mentioned that uh, Ryan Plunkett was yes. one of the walk around guys. Yes, and Ryan he was Plunkett. Awesome. You just did. Yeah. Uh, he was super nice. We had a great time. He was very very funny. Uh, we became best buds. And uh, he gave me uh, a new angle, which I haven't oh, started reading. Oh, very cool. It, it is very cool. The concept um, of that is really awesome. And then you did Portland. And I did Portland. You've been busy. We haven't see, we haven't hung out in a long time. I know. We got Margs the other night. That was nice. We did. We got Margaritas yesterday. What uh do you have any other out of town stuff coming up? Um 
I'm about to go to a new theater in Palm Springs. Ooh, Jeff just, Hop- just there. Jeff Hobson. Uh, oh, so created. yeah. So I was in Palm Springs this last weekend, and I emailed like an IBM ring there. Uh-huh. Basically, I was like, "Is there a magic store in Palm Springs?" He was like, "No." Was, and then I was like, "Is there anywhere for me to see magic performed this weekend?" He said, "No." He said, "But if you come out in this whatever, this club is going to be open." Yes. So I'm opening the club. Uh, when it's, is this? It's the first two weeks of May. Hmm. I might come out for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me know. It's May fifth. I'm. It's Wednesday through Sunday. So it's one show Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, and two shows Friday and Saturday. Oh, cool. Um. So I'm going out to play piano in the lobby and then do close up magic. Oh. On the piano, I think. Cool. Do you do you have any piano related tricks? No. Uh no. I feel like we should make one. I have like a uk I have two I mean magic like is hard. Smash is not a, a have a bowling ball smash a piano? I think that would be <laughs> cost effective. I have a, a, a I have a trick that I haven't come up with. I know the method. I haven't created the method. Uh which is I sing a song about selecting a card. It's basically do you know Inferno by Josh J? Uh yes. It's basically Inferno. Uh-huh. But the pick that I'm using turns into the card you name. Oh, okay. Um, but I want to do it with... Are you another person that you play piano with a pick? No, with a no. ukulele. <laughs> yeah, no. it. It's a different sound, though. <laughs> just piano. like... <laughs> <laughs> Makes no notes. It's just a like clicking sound. It's a percussion. Oh, that's cool. Piano is $15,000. Yeah. Uh, so I have the method for it. I had like an E... I had like a sleight of hand method that was fine because I didn't want any... Uh, gimmicks on the ukulele yeah and then i figured out a way to do it with a gimmick on the ukulele then i was like that's gonna kind of work but it's still i think you'll still feel like you know what's happening yeah so now i know how to get rid of the gimmick while it's on the ukulele so i can end super clean i just haven't made it but i know exactly what it is uh i have all my methods in my shower when i take a shower that's usually when i come up with methods mm-hmm. but i don't um, come with routines in my shower i used my time in the shower to clean myself you used your time to practice the mint trick <laughs> <laughs> and knew if i made a joke like that here's, <laughs> here's a we here's a pitch for you the mint directions here's a pitch for you you pre-show a person's favorite song Go and on. then you basically force like uh I'm just thinking about John. John Carney did a thing where like eight people picked cards and he like guessed them all yes, or whatever. That's his, um, his mm-hmm, great something one. like that. And then the, the card numbers that they got, you play them on the piano and it plays out the melody of song. the person's song. Nathan and I talked about doing like, um, we had coloring books that were, uh, sheet music books uh-huh. instead of the coloring book. So we were f- going to force a, a song that way. Uh-huh. Um, but then we didn't know how strong that revelation was of like, just playing it. Yeah. The Very cool strange. thing is to be, if you had a full band come out and then play the whole song, like, <laughs> or if it was like, they really like Katy Perry, like Katy Perry came out. Yeah. yeah. That's something if, I guess if you had like Darren Brown money, you would do. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Darren Brown does that in a special. Oh, does he? Yeah. He, um, uh, yeah, he does it in Enigma. Uh, so that's, that's so, right. So what he does is the, the, right. the show opens with he, everybody writes down like, um, a book and they write down a uh, like their favorite word and they write down like a, their favorite band or something so he uh, something along those lines they all drop it in this little wicker basket and then the first thing he does is he has someone pick one out of it he gets like the uh, he gets two of the three things and then the band is McFly and, and then he's like what's the band and she's like McFly he's like nope never heard of them not a real band moving on so ah. then it's a big joke and then at the end of the show people mix up these six objects and it's like they, a chair test yeah it's a chair test uh, where people like put like pictures of like there's um, apple juice um, an egg and ice cream like these different like snacks. have you ever seen Enigma watch no I'm I not haven't. gonna spoil it yeah yeah okay I'll watch it they just, have- he does a chair test and at the end 
Uh, chair test is when you thing. look at a yeah. chair and you're like, pick the most unusual word written on this chair. Well, they got to do it. It's test <laughs> yeah. conditions. Yeah. Test conditions that they put the chair. Uh, I will watch it. I will also recommend the two. Our two-man show is going to be called test conditions. I have two-man shows planned for both of you. Uh, have you seen why the... Why can't be a three-man show? Get yeah. the fuck out of my two-man show, Robert. <laughs> Chris, get out of my two-man show. Well, Robert and I are doing one with... Uh, Michael Rayner and Dave fuck, Tooney. Fuck you both. Have you? Seen so Robert sees one Asian guy in the show at all times. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do a good Scottish accent? Sure. <laughs> what about a bad Scottish accent? <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Um, the I recommend the Tignataro uh, stand-up special. Have you seen that? Oh, with the Go Go Girl, Indigo Girls. Girls. Have you seen that? No. She basically is like the entire show. She's queuing up. Like she keeps saying, Indigo like, yeah, just remember, guys, at the end of the show, the Indigo Girls come. <laughs> like, ladies and gentlemen, the Indigo Girls, and then nothing happens. She's like, they're, they're not. Of course, they're not here. Yeah. And five minutes later, she goes, but really though, ladies and gentlemen, the Indigo Girls. <laughs> it's like the last twelve minutes of her show is her like, doing she this keeps gag playing whether or not they're going to show up, and then she'll be like. Just show of hands, who thinks the Indigo Girls are going to come out? It's really funny. That's it's like really Matthew Broderick in the... Uh, oh, hello. Oh, hello. All right. At the end of that. Oh, yeah. Netflix special. Did you watch oh, that? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Matthew, esteemed actor Matthew Broderick is behind those doors right now. No, no, no. Don't come out, Matthew. Don't come out. <laughs> and then at the end, he shows up. At the very end, they just over the door. He's just there for a moment. I was, and I wonder what... Did they... Uh, no, that, they didn't do that. Okay, okay, I was wondering if there was some equivalent game. Yeah, I asked somebody, and they said that they just they did didn't do it right now. I will... If you ever get to see... Tignataro live do a show. I saw her in, in Edinburgh. And I, I don't know if I told you this, but she did a show every night in Scotland, an hour long stand up show, and she did not know how the show was going to end. And she was like, I literally don't know how tonight's show is going to end. Um, I think together in the room, we're going to find the ending of the show. Um, and so she would, and every, so like she would say, like, no, I'm being serious. Like, I have not planned an ending to tonight's show. So, um, you know, thanks everyone. That was great. And then she'd walk off. People would laugh and clap. And she'd come out like, "It's not the. There's ten minutes left. It's not the end." And so the last ten five minutes of the show was her negotiating how the, it was going to end. Wow. And so at the one I saw, she, uh, she basically ended up saying like, "Okay, I'm going to say thank you. You guys have been a great audience. And then you're all going to clap." And then I'm going to leave. And then it didn't quite happen. And then she said, well, that's going to be the end. And then she just left. And the show was over. Yeah. And then my friend went two nights later and uh, she was like, I'm going to say thank you. Uh, you've been a great audience. And then you guys clap and go crazy. And only my friend stood up and clapped because everyone else thought the bit was still happening. Yeah, yeah. So she said, great. Tonight, I'm going to do that. And only this guy's going to clap. And then the show's going to be over. And that's what the ending was that night. <laughs> and it was so weird. So like one guy stands up and claps and that's it? Yeah, just for that night. Wow. So, like, uh, to me, I was like, I couldn't believe the audacity to be like, I'm doing a month of shows and I have the confidence to just be like, the last five minutes show, I have no idea what it's going to be. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And it felt really weird. It felt super interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And not totally satisfying because it didn't end the way shows normally end. Yeah. Uh, but I was just like in such admiration of like the willingness to just be like, she's just very interested in that weird dynamic and like living in it. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. Uh, so put that into your shows is my yeah. point. Francis yeah. Francis Minotti dies at the end of his. What? Francis Minotti, the magician, in his parlor, does a trick at the end where he, he brings someone on stage and he goes, whatever, <clears throat> whatever, hap whatever <laughs> happens, just just make sure you remember your card. And he's, it's like such a big deal. And like, he's like, pick a card quickly. And like, it gets faster. And like, you can tell he's like sweating. He's constantly coughing. And she picks a card. He puts it back. He's whatever it is. Just don't forget that card. What, you're the only one who's going to know. Okay. And he like shuffles the cards. He's like, quickly shuffle. You got to shuffle. Back. He's like getting sweatier and sweatier. And he's like, 
it's so great and he like starts coughing up blood like, quickly you have to do this and he's like is that your crutch she's like no she's like Ugh! and he dies and he falls over like like leaning over a table and there's a, uh, a dagger in his back with the card stuck through it oh cool and she goes yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't get back up oh that's amazing and then, and then somebody somebody from the audience got up it was uh a different another magician got up and just was like i think francis would want us to leave now so this one more applause and was that part of it or was that that magician just sort of intuiting what both yeah i don't know what would have happened yeah because legit he did not move and i sat in my chair and i cry laughed because i was like (laughs) i can't believe this is happening and we all got up and we just he stayed there as everyone cleared right oh that's awesome it was great it was so uncomfortable (laughs) um I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? This has been awesome. Yeah, I'm done talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is also the end of your best friendship. Yeah, right. yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of deep cuts today. Yeah, wow. both of us. Yeah, maybe it's because you were gone for so long. And I know I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to our relationship. Yeah, uh, in time of need, and you weren't there for me. So <laughs> you've got uh, <laughs> things coming Fuck. up in the next year. I do. Uh, uh, well, like, hopefully I'm, you can come back and talk yes, about. Yes, we can do that. That would be fun, and then we could talk about. You know, uh, I don't know. By then, I, oh, by, I did email the castle about my audition. Good. When is your... Did not hear back. Oh. <laughs> I got back an email saying, it's really busy. It takes us a long time to respond to emails. So. Yeah. Well, it'll be a few... I think the waiting list is a few months. Oh, did you co- come in as a junior or as an as a adult? As an adult. Mm-hmm. I auditioned uh, on the 55th year. Mm. So that was six years ago? Seven years ago? And mm-hmm. had you, how had you been doing... But no, the 55th year was this past year. Oh, I'm sorry, 50th. I was yeah. the 50th anniversary. Um, had you been doing it for a while? I'd been doing it for like three or four years. Okay. So I walked in. You just need like seven minutes is equivalent, but you just need like three tricks is what I tell people. Two and to three. where did you do it in the castle? I did it in what's now the cellar. It okay. was still the museum. Um, uh, do you remember what you did? Yes. I did David Stone's bottle production, uh-huh. which is you have a handkerchief and you put the coin in the handkerchief and the coin disappears. And then you reach over and there's the coin and then you move the thing and the wine bottle's there. Cool. Uh, and then you make your shoe appear from behind the handkerchief. Oh. So immediately after the wine, you say it's because you're keeping your shoe, and then you whisk the... David Stone or Tom Stone? David Stone. Oh, who's Tom Stone? Tom Stone is the Swedish guy. Because in the book I just bought from him, he has a shoe production yes. thing. And I, I'm not flexible enough to do it. Really? You have to, like, kick up your leg in a way that I, I was like, mm, I can't do this. Yeah, so David Stone is the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, and what was your third thing? Uh... Uh, and then I did a... Well, that was um, one thing, right? That was one thing. Oh, yeah. that was one. The one thing. Yeah, because it's like the second you do the wine bottle, you're going oh, because it was yeah, in yeah, my yeah. shoe. Uh, and then the second thing I did was uh, an ace, uh, a sound routine that you can find on banishinginc.com. It's called uh, Boxed Lunch. Is it yours? It is mine. <laughs> John have I not seen this? John doesn't want you to promote it, I guess. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for him to say, yeah, but he didn't say that. I was so confused. I'm like, I, was, I, couldn't, I was lost in the bigs. I'm like, I'll show you the trailer. Routine? I'll show you the trailer. Hold on, let's go back. Try again. Okay, take two. Everyone gets one rewrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the second thing I did was a uh, sandwich trick that I you can find on vanishinginc.com. Uh, it's called it? Boxed Lunch. Don't you fucking dare promote Wait, describe your... Boxed Lunch to me, because I don't know if you heard my sandwich trick page, but what is, what is Boxed Lunch? Uh, you have... Uh, two black aces, and uh-huh. those are the or two red aces, which are the peanut butter and jelly sandwich I used to make as a kid. Oh. So I put them cleanly into the box of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lunchbox, and they sit there on the table. And then uh, we have the two black aces, which my sister used to make me lunch off like this gross whole wheat kind of gross bread that was like grainy, and it was horrible. Uh, and so we pick a card, they sign it, and that's going to represent the, the lunch meat of this sandwich. Uh-huh. 
and it's three phases of just like a sandwich routine where it keeps showing up between the two black aces. And then we put the sign card back in the center of the deck and we open the box and dump out the two red aces. And in between the two aces is the sign card. Oh, okay, cool. Mine and actually the end, And then at the end, uh, after that dumps out, you dump out uh, a neutral bar from the box. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember the neutral bar. I remember you showing me that. I don't yeah. remember the rest that of the That used show. to be my closer, my original closer back that I came up with like seven years ago now. Okay, because mm-hmm. you guys need to help me figure out how to produce a Kraft American Cheese single out of a deck of cards. Because okay. my sandwich trick is that I'm pitching is that I have a paper plate with an actual two pieces of Wonder Bread. Yeah. And that's the sandwich I'm going to reward myself with after I finish <laughs> the trick. And then I they pick a card, and then I go to the deck to find it. But in the deck, there's a craft cheese single. Okay. And then I'm like, wait, if this is here, then what's in my sandwich? And then I eat the Do sandwich. Do you see the craft single on the sandwich beforehand? Uh, you can, Do I you mean, make the sandwich in front of them? Oh, that would be good. But probably you different. You got to make the sandwich in front of them. Yeah, because we want to know. We want to jump ahead. That's like, oh, so we, you guys talked about surprises at one point during Magic and how like it could be magical. And one thing I remember thinking about when you guys were talking about it was like if sometimes knowing getting the audience ahead of you is a good thing oh okay and in that sense i think it is very good to to know that there was cheese in the bread so the second we see the cheese we immediately know oh. to go there it's the same thing in my close-up show i have a bunch but that's of that's still a surprise that that's, moment is still, just because they know they can anticipate where that's taking you that's still a surprise though right yes because i have a thing with matches at the be- in my close-up show and at the end i have a david regal clarity box and when i dump the card out uh, matches fall out instead of a card mm-hmm. and everyone immediately knows what's about to happen oh, but okay. even when I open that matchbox and they see the card it gets great reactions <laughs> so, so wait this means I might have to arts and crafts a piece of wonder bread <laughs> to like <laughs> hide a piece of cheese after I make the sandwich I can make like a double layered one like where like I, I have a method in my head already okay good so this will be this will I be- have a really funny method that you're both gonna laugh at <laughs> uh, well, cool. uh, what, and was there a third piece in that uh, no, and those are the, I had a third trick ready, but I don't remember what it was. But those are the only two tricks I did. Mm-hmm. And you got in, and I got in. There was seven of us that auditioned, and all seven of us got in. Oh, but I don't know how they do it now because we all waited in the dungeon or in the the hat and hair, uh-huh. and then they brought us in one at a time into the cellar, and we they interviewed you and asked you like, what books do you have in your thing, and what do you think, and blah blah, oh. blah. and then like, okay, do magic for us. Oh, uh, and then you were done, and then we we all waited one at a time, and then they brought us in the room, and then said. You're all in. So when they ask what books, I shouldn't be just like, I have one book, the Bible. You should just say uh, the good book. Forces Unseen. Is that what that's called? Uh, I think so. By Forces yeah. Unseen? Yeah. Just say you only know that book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have the uh, Chris Angel story. Uh, Life of Magic. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember uh, how many people did you audition for? Um, and like, did you know of any of them? or I, like my magic knowledge has only come from the time I've been at the castle. Right. Because I use the library a lot and like, because I subscribe like Murphy's and stuff on YouTube, like I constantly see what's coming in. So I want to see like what people are buying and like yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. So you consume a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like I only used to buy things or like now I'm only interested in things to learn a new method to figure out how I can implement that method in something else. Yeah. Um, because sometimes there's a lot of principles that are totally weird that you don't know about mm-hmm. that you could apply to other things. Um, I don't remember who was in that room. I think Jack was in that room. Um, I don't remember who else. It was like six people, six or seven people at that time on the bo- on the audition committee. Cool. But I don't know who it is anymore. I always wanted someone to go in with a um, a double backer deck or like a cheek to cheek and start doing like that slop shuffle, uh-huh. but do it wrong. 
So now you have to turn it one way so that they're facing a certain direction, but you're like, you do it absolutely wrong so it would be messed up, mm-hmm. and then you start figuring it out, and then it's not. <laughs> right. Just so like they think you're about to, me- like you can't even do a slop shuffle, right. then it still works. Yeah. No one's I, willing to do that. I feel like at my audition, I can't do my banana bandana where I hire a sniper to murder a, an adult banana. Right. <laughs> feel like the conditions of the audition won't sustain that, I don't think. Well, you know, as an artist, you just need to make the best art and then find a space that will fit it. You yeah, know, yeah. that shouldn't inhibit your creative process to have a sniper shoot a banana. <laughs> yeah. I, the image of a, d- a banana dancing and then having a red sniper dot on his head is very funny. Right. And magical. I mean, that could go in the next Derek Delgadio show. Yeah. No, Where did the red dot come from? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, then you v- and then you vanish it, and then it's the red dots on their wrist. And you're like, I call that. Double, double sniper yeah <laughs> double shot uh robert thanks so much for being on of course the yeah, thanks so much um thank you chris for inviting me and wow being we're, a we're great not even host. dropping the pretense of the bit anymore being a great this host. is my idea Actually, that's funny because uh, i did, when i was texting with you guys today around like 1 30 i was like oh i never even told him where i live so i'm assuming john's handling all the logistics so john right. is act john actually arranged all of this well we'll see you next time see ya